This week's episode of Aussie Tech Ads is brought to you by Start New Company. Register your company immediately today with ASIC. ABN, TFN, GST registration is also available directly from the portal. Also set up your family trust and self-managed superannuation fund and more. All at startnewcompany.com.au. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash startnewco and keep an eye out for our regular specials. Start your new company now within 10 minutes of lodgement. All legal company documentation provided after registration. startnewcompany.com.au. Also brought to you by athwebhosting.com.au. All our servers are operating on SSD drives, immediate activation, SSL certificates, Aussie support, domain registration, and more. Easy install WordPress, Joomla, Drupal, and 300 other one-click installations. Generous space and bandwidth, auto backups, WordPress help and maintenance plans are also available on contact. If your webpage is important for your business or your life, contact us today. Aussie support, secure services, athwebhosting.com.au. And now for the show. Welcome to episode 684 of the Aussie Tech Heads, recorded on the 9th of July, 2020. I'm your host, Jason Oakley, and this is my co-host, Will Tompkinson. Hey, Will. Hey, I'm on this side this time. That means I'm the host, doesn't it? <laughs> I'll shut up then. <laughs> Hang on. When I record, you're the host. When you record, I'm the host. Is that how it works? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> uh, He's your host, Will Tompkinson, and I'm your co-host, Jason. Yeah, that's better. <laughs> how you doing, mate? Good. What's been going on with you? Oh, breaking computers, you know. Usually. Why would you do that? I told that to Striker and he's like, why would he do that? And I said, I don't know why he would do that. It just seems like a fun thing to do, you know. Here we go. Boom. It's a brand new computer. I figured I'd put it under, test out the warranty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the problem is, you know what, why it doesn't work is you let the little fella out who is inside running around in the cage powering it. Well, I... Yeah, okay, there was a gecko in it when I dropped it off and they opened it up and a gecko ran out. I don't think he was permanently living in there, though. I think he got in when I took the computer down the night before and stuck it out and the veranda to remind me to take it the next morning. Uh-huh. I don't think he was actually living in sure. the computer. No, there's no signs of, like, gecko poo and stuff in there, so... But, Not anymore. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know. It was weird. It's been working perfectly fine. A couple of weeks ago, I had this really random, weird lockups and hiccups and stuff and then that went away and it's been fine again and then the other night i just finished doing a recording and went to shut the recordings off and the system locked up and that was the end of it so you might have the recording well technically the recording by default the recordings are corrupt because they're mp4s that didn't get closed which means they don't have any header or footer details so they've got no carrier information to know what the video is theoretically it's repairable but until I get my computer back, I can't even look to see what I got. <laughs> so, Damn. I don't even know at this point. You can't even send me a copy to muck around on. No, and it's not like it's an interview I can easily line up again. It took me like, what, 
three months or something to organize it the first time so <laughs> yeah um, you know uh zoom's got this feature where you can save the recording in the cloud yeah well a funny thing if you click it twice it defaults to save it on my local hard drive which died yeah oh no the hard drive's okay so theory uh, but it didn't close the file died <laughs> um i i was i had intended to save it on the cloud but apparently like it's clicked but it's checked by default so if you check it again it actually defaults to saving to your hard drive uh it's terrible Even the, i didn't realize that until halfway through the recording i'm, uh, I'm not changing it now <laughs> stuff it but yeah so other than that it's um i'm on two weeks holiday so it's perfect timing because you know not having a computer on my time off is fantastic oh you got one you're on it right I'm now probably, a fantastic uh, computer yeah i mean computers probably maybe a little bit of a compliment really for what it is <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a pos it's a two-year-old laptop that is slower than my five-year-old desktop that's sitting over it, on my old five-year-old <laughs> desktop like it's just ridiculous literally i've got chrome open and zoom open and it's sitting at 100 percent cpu yikes like how many cores did you say it had it's a i7 yeah yeah it's an i7 8 gig of ram you know like it's a fairly high-end system should be all right um but it just doesn't it doesn't no no <laughs> it's almost like it's forgotten other cores and she's using that one uh jeez. <laughs> here's all two 2.2 giga processing power or whatever three giga processing power on this one core there you go <laughs> have fun with that <laughs> what even is multi-threading i don't know mm. well i noticed it said hyper hyper threading or something was disabled before when i had the had the status screen up so if you want to make it hyper give it more sugar yeah and less geckos more sugar and then light it less geckos geckos are fun actually i used to it was funny when i used to be computer tech down in melbourne um we used to get a lot of gecko damaged computers coming what yeah because they were warm in the winter the geckos would hibernate inside power supplies and stuff and then you know, they'd move that little bit the wrong way. That was back when you had the AT power supplies with the big fan holes and stuff so they could yep. get in there. And yeah, they'd just move that little bit wrong way and next thing you get this dead gecko and dead computer and it was good for us. You let the smoke out of the gecko. <laughs> yeah, yes. let's, yeah, that's it. The power supply let the smoke out of the gecko then the gecko <laughs> let the smoke out of the power supply. <laughs> it's a mutual thing you wouldn't understand. <laughs> so, it was actually quite a common... Like, uh, Cockroaches was another one, those big juicy flying things. Yep. They're another one responsible for a lot of computer deaths. Ah, right. And mice. Mice. But not they, they wouldn't get into the power supply, they'd just pee on the main boards. Ah. <laughs> so super acidic mouse pee. It just like yeah. literally destroyed them, eh? Like it really made a mess of the boards. And they're like, here's my stinky mouse pee ridden computer, Mr. T. Good luck with that. Make it go again. Yeah, pretty You're much. Like, well, we got this new model out the front there. <laughs> it's discounted this week. You might want to buy that. It wasn't far off out of town. Went um, shopping yesterday on my day off and got my daughter a new phone. Guess what brand? Mm. She wanted to get away from the Apple ecosystem. Yay! Starts uh, with an X because X makes it sound sexy. <laughs> Xiaomi. <laughs> Yeah, the Xiaomi's are pretty good. Xiaomi Mi 9 Lite. Oh, you got that one. Yep. Yep. 
Last one they had in stock at Officeworks. I mean, for what they are and the price you're paying for them, they're probably good value. Yeah, yeah. She loves it. She had a look at a few others, um, even Samsung A-series that a lot of people recommended. And uh, No, not really. So check out this Xiaomi one. Oh, yeah, that's the one I want. So she's put all of her stuff on there and customized the heck out of it. And I was like, see all those things that you couldn't do on your iPhone? Yeah. You can do them here. You can do whatever you want. That's it. And now I, the next iOS coming out is going to allow you to have widgets. I wonder where they copied that idea from. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's... And I do like them because they have fairly decent backwards compatibility support too. Like they'll support a device for a fairly long time. Um, I know they're still supporting some of their like readme twos and stuff, which have got to be six, eight years old now. Oh, right. They still have support for them, so no, they're they're fantastic. And you just look at the specs on them, and you look at the value for money. You can't come anywhere near it with any other phone. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. I'm not 100 percent familiar with that one, but I think that's the that's the A12 processor, whatever they call it. The Oh, um, what do they call it? The octa is that the octa core? The- I think it is that one. I need to look it up, but I'm not going to touch this laptop in case it explodes. <laughs> I just put my hand beside the fan vent coming out of it, and it's like lava. <laughs> Snapdragon seven ten. Okay, so it's a couple of processors old, but it's still fairly fast. Octa core yeah. two by two point two gigahertz. That's the first octa core one they did, I think, from memory. Oh, but it's right. um, it's fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. There's still, you know. And the thing is, you'll still get like two days out of the battery life on the thing. And they've got fantastic cameras. Even the cheap ones have got great cameras on them. Yeah, yeah. I went through a couple of months ago when she was saying she wanted to look at switching to a new phone. So I went through all these review websites to find out what's a good uh, Android phone to get. And Xiaomi Mi Lite 9 Lite, they said, was really good. So I'm like, yeah, we'll check it out. It was the last one they had in stock. So, yep. yoink. That's it. No, we're getting the, from my mother-in-law, I think we're getting the Xiaomi Note 8, I think it is, which is like a slightly older one, but it's the biggest screen. Yeah, so. she wanted a tiny screen. She's like, Dad, I only got little hands. <laughs> So, well, mother-in-law wants the bigger screen one just because it's, it's easier to see. Plus, it means yeah. it's got a bigger... A bigger uh, That's uh, why I got Chunky Monkey. Mm. Your son got, the, son got the new... I think it's the same one you've got, actually. Samsung Galaxy Ultra 5G S20. Uh, I think she got the... Yeah, she got the S20, but it wasn't the Ultra one. It was just the... Plus? The one, I think. The plus, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And the and the curved screen's already annoying the crap out of oh. <laughs> Mine, I don't think mine's got curved screen. They didn't put it in that one. It was good. They stopped doing it now. Yeah. Not for, your, not for that one, though. Was TikTok, still... No, TikTok wasn't pre-installed. TikTok was just, like, running in the background all the time. <laughs> it, it's not a visible app. It's yeah. one of those hidden apps that are just always running. It's called TikTok Lite. Yeah. <laughs> You install the full version, but they give you the light one for free. They just don't tell you. Yeah. <laughs> it's always capturing everything. That's it. <laughs> so, but no, seriously, like, yeah, I've, I've been a big proponent of them for ages, but that's because, like, it's almost impossible to find a bad review on the things. Yeah. You know, for the, the value for money for them and what they do for, you know, 
it's hard, really. And, and it's not like they don't. They, it's not like they lack support. They've got plenty of support. They've got plenty of accessories. I mean, they do everything now. They do, you know, the house, like the house robot things. They do drones. They do TVs. They do media centers. They do the whole lot now, anyway. So yeah, you know, sorted. But yeah, should we go and do some noose? We can try. Using its own analytical software, the Fraunhofer Institute tested the most recently available firmware for 117 home Wi-Fi models, uh, routers and modems currently sold in Europe, including routers from Asus, D-Link, Linksys, Netgear, TP-Link, Zixel, and the small German brand AVM. Models themselves were not physically tested full list of the tested models and firmware is on GitHub. The Institute was not able to examine the firmware of 10 more models, mostly from Linksys, but uh, they found out that uh, a lot of them have got uh, very bad um, security flaws and can be easily hacked into. So, so what can you do? You can make sure the next router you buy automatically installs firmware updates. You can check if your current router does so or makes it fairly easy to install firmware updates manually. You can also ensure that the administrative password has been changed from the default one because there's a website, routerpasswords.com, that has a list of default passwords. You should also check its administrative interface to make sure that UPnP and remote access are disabled. And if your router was first released more than five years ago, consider buying a newer model unless it meets all the above criteria. Alternatively, you can try to flash your older router to run more secure open source router firmware such as OpenWRT, DDWRT, or Tomato. Mm, tomato. I tell you, out of all those tomatoes, I remember using that back in the mid 90s. I don't know yep. about the other ones, but I know it's been around for a while. Yep. The worst case regarding high severity CVEs, widely known flaws, is the Linksys WRT54GL. Powered by the oldest kernel found in our study, the report that said. One. That one. <laughs> Sitting up there. <laughs> Noting that this model that Mr. T has and highly recommends uses the 2.420 kernel from 2002. There are 579 high severity CVEs affecting your product. How's that all? When it gets to 1,000, I'll worry. This particular model had its last firmware update in January 2016, one of the oldest firmwares in the study. It was the first released in 2005 and still sold today, even though it handles Wi-Fi protocols only up to 802.11g. Yeah, I've had that's my third one, I think. I think I've got... I, I just bikes and artworks. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they literally haven't changed. They're exactly the same as they were back in like 2010 or whenever they started selling them. Like, they're still exactly the same thing. <laughs> Uh, but you know, security flaws were detected and identified using the Fraunhofer FKIE's firmware analysis and comparison tool. Evaluation showed that not a single router was free of flaws. Some of them were even affected by hundreds of known vulnerabilities. Of the routers tested, 46 had not received a security update in the preceding 12 months. Yeah, but I mean... <laughs> Nobody updates their router firmware. No, especially not residential. Like the average consumer doesn't. Most of them don't even know they've got a router, let alone how to update it. It's that internet thingy over there. It's yeah, got flashy like, lights. They just don't. I mean, uh, yeah. And realistically, it's not that big of a deal because the average consumer is not the target for 
for that sort of attack anyway. Not unless they want to button it. And even then, I mean, you, you, unless it's a physical drive-by attack or like an actual, you know, that sort of thing, you're not, you're not generally going to be compromised. It's not something they spend time doing. I suppose, yeah, if they want a botnet or they want a system to quickly piggyback off, yeah, but they're going to, I mean, if they're that, imp if they're that interested in attacking you, they'll do it regardless of what you've got anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's, I don't think it's as big of a deal as they make it. See, I mean, certainly if you've got the option to and you know how to do it, then yeah, okay, update them. I mean, I don't, I don't bother because I haven't had need to. Like, like the performance is what I expect out of them. They work, they're stable. I haven't bothered to update them. Not that it would matter because it's a five-year-old update anyway. But you know, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily think it's as a big a deal as they make out. Um, for the average person, obviously businesses and commercial, that's completely different. Like you want to secure yeah. those, you know, yeah, or if you're running a home stuff. business, you know, um, but most of these are the routers that are going to come with when you sign up to an ISP, they're going to be the ones that go, here, have this for, for free, or you can spend $99 and have a decent one, which is actually like exactly the same, but like, you know, <laughs> one model newer. Um, <laughs> so most of them are just generic things that sit there and do their job for 10 years before you've got to replace them. Yeah. And most people are happy with that. Um, yeah, I don't know. They're only unhappy when it doesn't do the Facebook. Well, yeah. And routers, realistically, cheap $40, 50 $60 routers, they last 10 years and they they usually, even when they fail, they usually fail gracefully. They'll just get into a mitten and you need to restart them once a week and then you have to restart them twice a week and then you have to restart them every day then you got to restart them three times a day you know like they, <laughs> they don't just stop working they just gradually get worse and worse and worse yeah um and then you go and spend another 40 bucks and buy another one i guess <laughs> and you try and look for the thing that's closest to the one you had because if it's you know, close to the one you've got you don't need to worry about reconfiguring it yeah so it's you know it's it's one of those nobody's going to be doing port forwarding and stuff like that anyway or did dns no i mean not the average consumer they're not no, no. I mean, I've got a somewhere I mean, I had actually. I think I threw it exit. I made it catch on fire. Um, but I had a, it had a gecko in it, didn't it? No, no, I got enough with it, so I lit it on fire. Um, <laughs> but it was a twenty-port gigabit switch hub. It was a proper commercial grade. You know, you could log into it and do everything and run whatever firmware you want. Like it was the, the legit full-on thing. But the thing was, it was a three hundred and or 400 and something dollar um, switch. Yep. And it lasted maybe three years. Oh, right. And it just completely internally collapsed. Yeah. You know, and I've got five, six, seven year old $40 ones here that are working perfectly fine. So, <laughs> you know, that was one thing when I used to run the server rooms. Like, we would go through switches insane. Like, we were killing them. Yeah. You know, every two or three years, we'd kill a switch. And yeah, you're paying 500 bucks a switch for them. And it's like, but why do the $30 ones still go on forever? And the ones, the consumer, the commercial grade ones, you know, only last three or four years. Planned obsolescence. Well, yeah, exactly. That's it. It's got that little clock in there. It goes, it's three years up yet. I swear they do, eh? Like some of them you could almost guarantee like a week after they're out of warranty, they'd fail. <laughs> It's almost exactly a week every time. Yeah. There you go. 
Um, alrighty, so, speaking of data centers, Facebook has data centers. Oh, about that. So you might want to know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so basically, um, Facebook is doing this whole sustainability thing and we're, you know, we, you know, we, we care, we pretend to care about the environment and all this sort of stuff. But one thing they are doing, which is quite interesting, and I'm surprised more people actually don't do it, um, they are using their data centers and the heat generated by them, um, and they run, cause they're running it through uh, heat exchanges, and they're taking the, the hot water, the heat generated from them, and they're running it through the community's radio. So th this is in um, a Danish city, a Danish city of Ordens. Um They have under they have like community heat, so um, the f the the heat's provided by the city, so there's just basically hot water pipes that run through the city. And oh, it's socialist, comrade. In, instead of every house being, I mean, I'm sure every house has its own heat as well, but they also have, um, yeah, they also have provided heat, whether it's under the footpaths, under the roads, um, you know, shops, all that sort of stuff. It's provided by the by the district. And so, what they've been doing, Facebook's massive data center there. Um, they've got a 50,000 square meter data center and they've been tapping into the heat um, into the heat exchanges instead of so basically your biggest thing with with data centers if people aren't aware is you need to keep the heat out because you've got to think you've got you know 500 watt power supply you've got a CPU that's you might have a hundred you know the CPU itself might use let's say it uses 40 watts, but it might pull 100 watts because it's so inefficient. A lot of that's dissipating heat. So you've got all this heat being generated by the monitors and everything else, and you've got to get it out. Traditionally, um, even in the middle of winter, you're still running air conditioners 24-7 to get the heat out because there's so much heat being generated in there. And a heated, uh, an air conditioner in an actively heated room is actually a very inefficient way of removing heat because it wants to just, it wants to just recycle the air that's in there and it's it's basically pumping the hot air outside via the, the air conditioner. So it's just being a dead waste of heat. So what these guys are doing is they're plumbing it. They're using um, what they call heat exchangers, which is more like what your car uses. It takes the heat in winter, for example, takes the heat from your radiator while the engine's running, runs it through the radiator, runs it back up into the dash, and then the fan blows it out. So it's using pre-generated heat to create heat. So they've done the same thing here. They've tapped into the... Um, the community's radiators um, and they've basically turned their air conditioners off. They can do that now because this thing manages to sit at about 28 degrees, which is exactly where they want the hardware to be sitting. Wow. Um, they're pulling enough heat that it keeps it like that and they're delivering the heat via copper coils filled with water. Um, they're running... The, the data centre has about 175 cooling units throughout the center and this is all run through the, this heat exchanger and into the heat pumps and into the community um, and they're saying that uh, they've managed to do about um, 100,000 megawatts worth of energy so far which is about 7,000 homes um, it can keep heated 24-7 so that what they were paying in air conditioning costs and power to run the air conditioners effectively now is being free heat delivered out into the community for 7,000 houses. Sweet. So 
you got to think it's swung both ways. Not only are they no longer paying for that air conditioning, but in most likely likelihood they're actually being paid for that hot water that they're delivering. Sweet. That's a great uh, idea. Yeah, so it's... it's um, they're, they're still actually trying to refine the system. They're saying that it's actually capable of um, 25 megawatts per hour of usable heat, um, but they're only capturing something like 25% or that something at the moment. Yeah, 25% at the moment um, because of the, the standard technologies in place. So they're trying to develop more, more efficient technology. So this one data center is going to go from 7,000 to you know, close on 30,000 um, premises. Oh, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, it's pretty neat the way that they... Um, it's it's not really. I mean, it's, it's old technology. It's nothing new about it, you know. But the way that they're handling it is good that they're they're sort of doing that. But I mean, it works both ways. As I said, not only are they helping heat the community, they're lowering their power usage and they're they're in turn lowering their power bill. So win win. Yeah, <laughs> and especially you know now that they can take a lot of the big air conditioning towers off their roof and they can put solar panels up. Yep. So. Get the roof space back. Yeah, exactly. So that you know they're going to be oh, that much better again. You know. So they're doing something right. Yeah. A giant flywheel in northeast Scotland could soon help to prevent blackouts across Britain by mimicking the effect of a power station, but without using fossil fuels. The trailblazing project near Keith in Moray, thought to cost about 25 million British pounds, will not generate electricity or produce carbon emissions but it could help keep the lights on by stabilising the energy grid's electrical frequency. The Norwegian energy company Statcraft hopes that from next winter, the new flywheel designed by a division of General Electric will be able to mimic the spinning turbines of traditional power station, which have helped to balance the grid's frequency at about 50 hertz for decades. Currently, the National Grid Electricity System operator is forced to shut down wind farms and run gas power stations even when there's more than enough renewable energy to meet Britain's electricity demand in order to keep the grid's frequency steady. By simulating the spinning metal mass of a power station turbine without producing emissions, Statcraft should be able to help ESO rely less on fossil fuels and use renew renewable energy more. This is the first time a project of this kind will be used anywhere in the world and ESO believes it could be a huge step forward in running zero carbon electricity grid. Hmm. That's not what I expected them to, to do with it. Um, flywheel power isn't that unusual. It's been done before. A, a, a story comes to mind of, I think it was in Germany, but I could be wrong. They were trialling flywheel powered buses. They had massive big flywheels that they oh. would spin up Every time the bus comes to a stop, it'll basically um, power up this electric motor, which would power this flywheel and turn this massive big flywheel up, and then it would just cruise to the next stop based on that. Um, and other situations, obviously, as well for generators and whatnot. But they're not using it to generate power, which is weird. They're using it to create the, the harmonics for the frequency. So they're using it 50 hertz, which is um, 50 cycles a second, So which is... You know, you've got two common ones, 50 or 60, uh, which is what your your power, your AC power switches backwards and forwards at, at a particular frequency. Um, and if you get it wrong, some things have issues like 
for example, uh, if you run direct AC powered motors like record players, for example, and they're designed to run at 60 hertz, if your power fluctuates and you get 58 or 62 hertz, it'll completely throw the, you know, it'll throw the record off the, the correct speed. Right. Uh, so there are situations where not very, especially these days with most things being digital, there's really not a lot of difference. They don't care too much the frequencies because they just handle it. So there's not as much call for a specific hertz like there was. Um, but yeah, it's weird that they're using it like that. I would have thought they could have just manipulated that with, you know, digitally manipulated that somehow with, um, uh, you know, like they do with inverters and stuff like that. When you run an inverter off 12 volt to 240 volt to power devices, they they digitally manipulate the signal so you get that. Oh, I'm surprised yeah. they've gone to such a mechanical means, um, a mechanical means to emulate that. It, it's interesting. I, I'd be curious to see. I'm just looking at the story for the first time, but yeah, Striker was saying the flywheels existed for many years on a single premises scale. Yeah, yeah, they're not they're not unusual. It's just a very unusual thing that they're doing with it. Yeah, I, I sort of don't. Um, I don't fully understand why they're running into this issue because it's really the the sticking to the 50 hertz thing, although mandated by the power company. In practice, isn't really um, as critical as it used to be, and I'm surprised they just don't digitally enforce that with rectifiers mm. and whatever. But I don't know I'm actually curious. I'll do some more reading on that and and see what the deal is there because. Um, they're saying that they use like wind turbines, for example. Well, wind turbines have the they can they put out that frequency as well. The only thing it doesn't is solar, but it 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 puts that out via the inverter. The inverter manipulates that frequency anyway. So honestly, I can't understand why this is an issue. No other country seems to be having this problem mm. that I'm aware of, and I can't really see how they're running into this problem when everything that's in generating the power already has a phase set to it so i don't know i need to do some more reading and see what's going on here because it's just something to spend the millions for some reason <laughs> well that's the part that i don't understand yeah. it, it doesn't make sense to me given that all power generation inherently has a frequency so i don't really understand what they're doing but i'll do some more research on that and i'll i shall see um, Stryker is saying on his slightly not too recent trip to Melbourne, we passed a wind farm and out of many dozens of turbines, only three were spinning. Yeah, it's not uncommon. A lot of the time I turn them off if the grid's saturated um, or if they're producing more power than they need. Like with but, the solar homes producing too much power and yeah. screwing up the uh, transformers. Well, that's what's happening here. They've got to change the transformer down the road now. I was fine with my smaller system, put my bigger system on, and I'm constantly getting overvolts now. So, <laughs> can't win. They got to yeah, go. I had overvolts for a while. I had to get uh, someone to come in and knock it down a few notches. Well, what it actually is, it's it's grid saturation. So there's more power being generated than being consumed, um, and the transformers don't know what to do with it. So they they basically fight it, and the way they fight it is they bump up their they bump up the voltage to to offset the the availability. Uh, and that's what's basically causing it. So my power guy who, who I was using, he explained it to me and he said, Look, it's not actually a fault with the inverter, it's actually a fault with the grid. Um, and it yeah, means The only problem is the uh, inverter for your solar system detects it over voltage, so it shuts down. Mm. But it's not actually, that's not, it's not actually causing the problem. No, it's no. the fault. 
And um, too many houses in the neighborhood going renewable to save themselves. Well, not only that, too, a lot of the older transformers don't allow power to flow backwards. So I can physically push it out onto my street, but I've got the transformer on the corner of my street. So I'm only forcing it back into the grid, and there's only six houses on on my line. All right. So I'm. And I'm the only one on the line who's got solar, but I'm generating more solar during the day than those six houses are using, so it's over the <laughs> system. So Energex actually have to come and physically change the transformer to a different transformer that allows flowback of the power. So that's something that they're required You're too to efficient. That's your problem, Mr. T. I know, right? <laughs> had to happen at some point. But yeah, so quite often that's why the, they, lock the, they lock the turbines down when they're not... Um, not being used because uh, there's no point generating that extra power. It physically can't go anywhere. You get to a point where it, it just bottlenecks the system, and there's no. It's easier to switch off a wind turbine than to down to power down a, a power station. So that's why we need to get one of those giant batteries like South Australia just upgraded theirs by like one and a half capacity, didn't they? Uh, I had so heard well. going to. Yeah. Yeah, it was doing so well that they hit their targets too early, and they had to increase the capacity. Yeah, which still doesn't, it still doesn't help when power lines fall over. No, no, that's caused by the wind. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's too much wind in the turbines causes the power lines to rip up out of the ground and fall down. That's it. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, it would have been fine if it was coal generated power. <laughs> exactly. Oh dear. Thank you, Mr. Prime Minister. <laughs> Speaking of intelligent prime ministers, what? Um, the COVID border lockdown. They went, hey, everybody, you need to go and get a permit. Oh, wait, we need to design a website. Fine, we'll push your restrictions back a couple of days. We'll get this website that we'll just throw together in GoDaddy, and it'll be fine. Did they use sticky tape? The website didn't work. Um, (laughs) Well, we don't know what to do now because the restrictions are in place, and the website's not working, but you still need the the border pass, which you can only get by applying online to the website that doesn't work, and if you don't have it, we're going to fine you. Uh, What? (laughs) So, once again... I'm sure they use the same people that they did when they did the um, census, Centrelink thing, and the census thing, and the voting thing. <laughs> so it's yeah. oh, it's those hackers ddosing it. That's what it that's, is. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah it happens <laughs> every time. <Bloody laughs> hackers, what can you do? Uh, so basically, yeah, if you can't get on, uh, if you can't get on um, on the website, it's because it's broken again. Basically, even though you need the permit and you have to have it, and you'll get fined if you don't. But there's no way to get it. But that doesn't matter because you still need it. Ah, so you're saying the government's having trouble keeping it up? What government doesn't? <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, they reckon that the the other thing with that too, the um, the app that they told everybody you have to use the tracing app six and a half million or something or seven million people now have it installed that's built into the xiaomi we got it says click here to enable the covid thingy that's the android one that's the google one yeah yeah google but google update and android apple update both had them by default but this is the the government does that mean i've got it yeah but unless you've enabled it it won't be on it's no it wasn't enabled on hers yeah no, it's not enabled by default, but it's there. Oh, I never saw it. Got the most recent update, which I don't yet. Um, but yeah, so I think as I said, seven million people have got it now, have installed it, and it's had zero um, tracing. There you go. 
COVID-19 notifications. Yeah. Well, it should be day. I'm going to stay followed Click here to turn on. Yeah. No. <laughs> All the no's. No. Never. No. This week, finally saw the federal sentencing of a former Yahoo software engineer who admitted to using his access through his work at the company to hack into about 6,000 Yahoo accounts back in 2018. Ruiz admitted to targeting accounts belonging to younger women, including his personal friends and work colleagues. He made copies of images and videos that he found in the personal accounts without permission and stored the data at his home. Once he had access to the Yahoo accounts, he admitted to compromising the iCloud, Facebook, Gmail, Dropbox, and other online account of Yahoo users in search for more private images and videos. Wonder what kind of private images and videos he was looking for? Cats, perhaps? Well, Maybe the neighbor's dog? Ruiz, after his employer observed the suspicious account activity, he admitted to destroying the computer and hard drive in which he stored the images. He stopped working at Yahoo in July of 2018. The next month, the FBI visited his home. (laughs) Hello, Mr. Ruiz. He was indicted in April of 2019 and pleaded guilty in September, facing up to five years in prison and a $250,000 fine. But it was not until this week that a federal court finally handed down its sentence for the former Yahoo engineer who hacked 6,000 counts on a hunt for private sexual videos and pictures. The sentence? Five years probation with a home confinement condition. Ray's Daniel Ruiz, 35 of Tracy, is allowed to leave his home for verified employment, medical needs and religious services. He's also been ordered to pay nearly 125,000 in fines and restitution. He also accessed financial information, but his main goal was to steal pornographic files. Assistant U.S. Attorney Daniel Kaliba asked for Ruiz to be sentenced to a period of incarceration, arguing he'd violated not only the trust of his employee, but the privacy of thousands of people. By his estimation, he downloaded approximately two terabytes of data and possessed between 1,000 and 4,000 private images and videos. The defense argued that Ruiz who has no criminal history, deserved leniency because he accepted responsibility quickly. Um, So uh, now accepting responsibility quickly is a definition of caught red-handed and no way out? He admitted destroying the hard drive where he stored the ill-gotten files when the FBI visited his home. He told federal investigators that he acquired the pictures and videos for his own personal self-gratification and he didn't share them online. So it's okay. Don't worry about it. Mm, That's fine. Yeah. No different than what most government agencies do, really. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just goes to show how easy it is if you can be bothered. Yep. So just get a job at Yahoo. They give you the keys to the kingdom and get in everyone's account. Why not? Not anymore. Nobody uses it. No. Everybody got into everybody else's Yahoo accounts. That was the problem. Well, I remember when Hotmail first came out, you could literally just copy the uh, address bar. Yep. You copy, copy the link and paste it into a different browser and it'll put you straight into your email account. Ah, no login or so nothing. You could literally go back through the history. Like you go to the library computer yep. and you go back into history and you look at all these other ones. You could click on them and you could go straight in because they had the link stored. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's more secure than cookies right that I see on all these websites 
We're using cookies. Click here if you agree, dear. The cookies are going to agree. You can't not agree, have you noticed? You have to agree. It's like, cook. why even do it anymore? Yeah. Because someone in an office thought it was a good idea. Somebody, some stupid judge in the UK. Uh, that reminds me too, you'll have to check out uh, Viva La Dirt League's new video. They've just released one called Cookies. Yeah. Basically, a guy comes in to the shop and he goes, I want all the cookies that my computer's making. <laughs> the guy's like, they're not real cookies. He's like, but it says I've got cookies. <laughs> Me want cookies! <laughs> So, yeah, it's like, for cookie. That's good enough for me. Hey. Uh, so yeah, check out Viva La Dirt League. They're good fun. <laughs> they have all sorts of really cool stuff on there. And if you like the dungeons, if you like Dungeons and Dragons, they do a Viva La Dirt League two or something as their other site, and it's got a lot of Dungeons and Dragons stuff on there. It's a lot of fun. I never was really much for one Dungeons and Dragons, but once I started watching their videos, I kind of <laughs> want to get into it now. It's great. Yeah. Um, we should see if we can get a tabletop simulator and do something. Yeah. It must be an online Dungeons and Dragons, you know, dungeon oh, generator, character generator, and you just go oh, on there, sure. click a button to throw some virtual dice, and it would work perfectly fine. All I need is a computer. What's that? <laughs> and then it would be fine. <laughs> you got a little screen, haven't you? <laughs> these uh, these things like... you can turn into a Linux computer and just plug it into a monitor yeah. and keyboard, and and I do have that option, but I prefer not to use it. <laughs> You're well, just lazy, aren't you? That's what you're telling us. Although technically I could use my uh, media center on my TV. So, then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, but there's a 55-inch of, of uh, Dungeons & Dragons. That'll do. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it's, you know, I don't know, one of those things. Google, again, because why not? Google's gone loony. Cuckoo. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember, about, I'm sure it was about 12 months ago. I haven't gone back and checked, but we talked about Google's plan to um, provide internet in remote countries like Kenya, for example, by launching low-altitude um, balloons, or high-altitude high balloons, I should say, that um, they basically form a mesh network. There's enough of them up in the stratosphere. They create a mesh network and create internet down to the ground effectively. Well, Loon which is the former Google X project and now independent Alphabet company, announced that its high-altitude broadcast balloons have been launched. Ooh. Now provides over 50,000 square kilometers uh, to subscribers of the Telcom Kenya, utilizing a fleet of around 35 balloons that are in constant motion in the stratosphere above East Africa. According to Loon, every service quality testing has shown positive results with over 35,000 unique users accessing a service for over-the-air voice and video calling, streaming, and web connectivity. What once seemed outlandish is now proving uh, my former self wrong with every person connected and every megabyte of data consumed from a stratosphere. Loon CEO Alistair Westgarth. What we're seeing in Kenny's day is the laying of the foundation for a third layer of connectivity. It was a long time in the making and there's still a lot of work to be done to establish this new layer. But today we're seeing the possibility of what the future can hold. Loon's business model is partner with Global Telco. So partner with global telcos to expand internet coverage in undeserved un, undeserved areas un, that's supposed to say underserved areas but it says <laughs> undeserved areas <laughs> according to Loon each of its balloons from 20k's above earth can cover an area of about 80 kilometers in diameter and serve about a thousand users on the ground using LTE connection her balloon balloons need a backhaul connection from an access point on the ground in order to extend connectivity 
Um, in 2017, they were granted permission by the Federal Communication Commission to use its balloons in Puerto Rico um, following the devastation of, hur of the hurricane. The balloons were used in 2017 for the El Nino floods, devastated parts of Peru, and again in 2019 when the earthquake hit Peru. The former project was spun as an independent company in 2018 alongside Wing, Alphabet's drone business. Since the beginning, they've approved flyover additional countries including Kenya, Uruguay, Namibia, Democratic Republic of Congo, Chad, Malawi, and Lesotho. Lesotho? I don't know that one. The balloons are now approved by 550 countries and regions around the world, also currently working on adding ground installations at the Caribbean in response to the hurricane season. Loons also form network partnership with AT&T that will make it easier for the company to provide internet connectivity over disaster zone. Cool. So it's pretty cool. Very useful too. They have a, they have a, um, yeah, obviously they've got to have a cell tower or a fixed connection somewhere that they link to. Yeah. And then they basically put these solar-powered battery backup mesh transmitters up in the atmosphere and let them fly around in high-latitude balloons, which last, I think it's 90 days. If I remember correctly, I need to double check that. But those big helium ones that they, you know, the big weather balloon ones. Yeah. That's basically what they're using. They last oh. a certain amount of time and eventually they come back down again. But they're so cheap and easy and quick to refill and they're all GPS tags so they can see exactly which ones are where and what they're doing. And it's not like they just fall out of the sky. Well, you might get the odd one that gets popped or whatever. But as a rule, they're going to come down pretty gracefully. So all the equipment's going to be reusable and you've got time to, you know, if one balloon, you know when your balloons are starting to go down. So you just, Start. I mean, 35 balloons over 50,000 square kilometers. So it's not like it's a high density thing. Yeah. You know, you, you even if you did a balloon a day rotation, it's only one a day you've got to worry about. You know. <laughs> so, no, that's pretty cool. I think it's definitely, um, you know, definitely great for for rural areas and, and remote areas. And it's a relatively cheap way. I mean, okay, it's, it's LTE, so it's not going to be the super fastest internet around, but it's certainly... Better be than no functional. internet around. Yeah, it's going to be functional, and it's going to be cheap to implement. Like, you, you know, as part of the thing we're talking about uh, with this interview I was doing about how the NBN's effectively wrapped up now, and they're basically just about finished everything they're going to do because the rest of it's put in the two hard basket. 90% they got two. They yeah. reckon they, they reckon. reckon they serviced 90%, but that doesn't mean 90% of people have it because it goes into apartment buildings and complexes where they don't have it yet because they've only put it out the front. Yep. So the numbers are fairly well fudged, but um, it's the same principle. Like this last 10%, this sort of thing could be something that does it all or satellite. 5G. Or, yeah, you know, so. Although 5G won't, it's only going to be a major thing. It's, they're not going to roll it out to a rural. I don't think, especially if it's not existing. Yeah. Um, not existing because they're not going to put new towers up specifically for it in the middle of nowhere. No. Nor that such short transmission range, you know. You may have assumed that with the release of the Mega Drive Mini and upcoming Game Gear Micro, Sega has now had its fill of tiny consoles based on hardware. But you'd be wrong. See, you were thinking that, weren't you? I could hear it. <laughs> The company has just announced that it is miniaturizing one of its most iconic arcade cabinets to create the Astro City Mini, a desktop console which, like the Neo Geo Mini, comes with its own screen and is preloaded with titles. A special controller is also being produced. 
36 games will be making the cut, of which the following have been confirmed so far. Alien Syndrome, Alien Storm, Golden Axe, Golden Axe, The Revenge of Death Adder, Columns 2, Dark Edge, Puzzle and Action, Tant R, Virtua Fighter, Fantasy Zone, and Altered Beast. Excitingly, Golden Axe, The Revenge of Death Adder is making its home debut on a piece of Sega hardware. It's on a licensed arcade cabinet from Arcade 1 Up, but has never been ported to any home system outside of that. Dark Edge, a unique 3D fighting game that uses 2D sprites, has also never been seen outside of the arcades. Originally launched in 1993, the Astro City cabinet became one of the most recognisable features in Japanese arcades. Indeed, you can still see them in action today, and they remain in high demand with collectors. The Astro City Mini's joystick uses micro switches, while HDMI out on the rear means you can connect your device to your TV. There are two USB-A ports, additional controls will be sold separately, and a micro USB port as well as headphone jack. There's no confirmation that it will have a built-in battery, something the Neo Geo Mini also lacked. The fact that a portable battery pack is shown in one of the photos would suggest you will need to use an external source of power to run it. The Astro City Mini is set for a Japanese release at the end of the year with a price tag of 12,800 yen, which is approximately 120 US dollars or 93 pounds, and there's no confirmation this will be received released outside of Japan as yet. I'm good. <laughs> you don't want a mini arcade system with multi-games? No. What I'm even what, is... I don't want to pay that much money for a mini arcade system with multi-games. What even is meme? I don't know, right? <laughs> so, I mean, even Aldi had one a few weeks ago. Yep. Mini arcade cabinet with 1,001 games or something on it. Oh, right. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, yeah. Not unusual <laughs> anymore. No, not the slightest. It's not <laughs> unusual. <laughs> I love the idea of a stand-up or even a sit-down arcade cabinet, but one, I've got nowhere to put it. And chances are, if I made a, somewhere to put it, I'd never be in that room to play it anyway because it'd be a special room somewhere yep. or out in the shed or something the like that. arcade room. And then if I'm doing that, I'm not, probably not going to have time to play it anyway. And if I have friends over, we're going to play it for half an hour, get bored and go and do something else. So it's <laughs> realistically, you know... It's great, but it's it's just not going to happen. Yeah, a friend of mine in Queensland has got one of those, um, and it's got the screen and the joysticks with the six buttons for each joystick and stuff. Mm -hmm. And when I went to his place, we played it for about half an hour, and then we're like, okay, let's go watch Alien vs. Yeah. Predator. Well, that's what I did with uh, Nintendo. It was great. It was good fun. I played, you know, I played Mario Brothers, and then I played this, and then I played that, and I played something else, and then I played the 25 games or whatever it comes with in like an hour and went, well, I've done that now. Okay, on to the next thing. <laughs> you know, like, it's just one of those things. How's uh, your 3D printing going? Um, it's not. Not. <laughs> well, I don't have a computer at the moment. <laughs> but um, I have to, I don't know. Something's, it, it's like 98% perfectly prints. Yep. But it does, if I do a big area thing like like this clock face, for example, which is an educational clock face where you can put, uh, you got to put the numbers in the right holes and you can tell oh, it's right. all sorts of stuff. That's cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But the problem is on an area like this, you can't really tell. But when it prints, it prints the center okay. But as the head moves out, the head, it doesn't print the outside layers properly. Like it's almost like the head's not moving straight. The head's doing like this yep. rocking motion 
So, or actually be the other way, the head's actually going that way. So it's printing high in the center and printing low on the edges. So ah. it doesn't print right out on the side, which jams the head, which clogs the print head up. So you end <laughs> up getting the first two layers down and the head gets clogged and ah. or you, end up in a situ- whoops, you end up in a situation like this one where it prints three quarters of the print and then it starts driving the head into the print and knocks the print off the off the bed. Ah, oh, no. You know, because it, it it's... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but I need to figure it out. This is pretty cool, actually. This is a that's a clean, clear bit hard to see, but that's a, just a bit of like plastic bottle. And this is a pot, so you fill it up with soil, put your plant in there, put your seed in towards the front, yep. and and this holds the soil in. But it lets you see the Let root structure, lots of plants grow through it. So I don't know. pretty educational. But I've been doing stuff like that. But yeah, I, I'm having dramas at the moment just with it. Somebody should have an ant farm. You can. You can print them. I bought one for my daughter, and the ants figured out how to get out of the tiny microscopic gaps in the plastic. And then we had a kitchen full of ants, and that was wonderful. Yep. That's why you keep them in a... um, When you you put it in a oven tray with water in it. Yeah. So if they get out, they don't get out. They'll drown. (laughs) That'll teach the bastards, won't it? (laughs) Swim, other bitch. Can't they? They can swim, though. Not really. Oh. One or two can, but yeah, you might get the odd one to come out, but most of them won't. Uh, it's the same way you keep ants out of your honey. You put your honey jar into a bigger jar with water in it, and the ants can't, ants can't get to the honey. I keep it in the fridge. Really? That's like treasonous. That's like a jailable offence. <laughs> My daughter you... was like, I've never had honey by honey, so I did. She never had it, and it's been sitting in the fridge for six months. Well, never had honey. This never wrong. came up, I guess. It had Vegemite, cheese, jam, everything else. Honey's a state, especially raw off the farm honey, not this supermarket crap. I'm I'm spoiled. I only I only ever have real honey. <laughs> so, but um, one thing, yeah. Uh, Striker in chat is talking about Starlink. Well, Starlink. I think that other story we're talking about with the balloons sort of comes into this a little bit. Starlink effectively is Elon Musk's satellite network he's putting up. Um, for internet. For internet and communication. Um, it's a different concept. He's using low orbit satellites instead of high orbit satellites, which, one, they're cheaper to launch. Uh, and they can be smaller and easier to work with, too. And once they've hit their... Fo- they, he's using um, Krypton... Uh, iron, iron thrusters with Krypton propulsion, so they got plenty of enough power to keep them into orbit and the power. And it'll keep the, Superman away. <laughs> the effectively self-regenerating, so they're never going to run out of thrust. But what it means is that the, the low orbit, once the satellite's at end of life, they can direct it to land. They can re-land the satellite basically and reuse the components off it. Or if worse comes to worse, the navigation system fails or the thrusters fail, within a couple of years it'll just tank itself into the atmosphere so they're not creating space junk which is a big problem at the moment um initially it's being rolled out in the states and canada in this year and next year they are expanding to other areas um at some point who knows uh, actual you know if everything's postponed and being derailed at the moment anyway so i think time frames have become a bit obnoxious but theoretically it would be a cheap um it would be a cheap internet because it's much cheaper than the traditional satellites that have to stay up. 
you know, you got to think they cost a lot more because they've got to be higher hardware because they've got to stay up in orbit once basically they're either useful or not. So you want them to be useful as long as possible before you, you know, before you write them off, which is why, okay, we've got the Skymaster satellite, but there's a lot of people still using the older satellites that are just dog slow, but they're using them as long as they possibly can because they're so expensive. Yeah. So with the SpaceX... Um, relaunchables and stuff like that these definitely come down in cost the way they're manufacturing them is um, so entirely different to a traditional way that they're being manufactured they're literally like stacked on top of each other and they can launch multiples at a time so they're not not, not one trip one satellite so even the launching cost is, is coming down nice. um, they can have they, they're using the, the Falcon 9 rockets so they're fully reusable they're 260 kilos per satellite which is like I think a normal a normal satellite's close on, I, think, I can't remember. I know it's a little more than that. I think it's six or seven hundred kilos. So depending on what the payload of the Falcon Nine can handle, depends how many of these they can stack and send in one hit. So it'll be interesting to see um, how that goes. I mean, obviously you've still got the added cost of installation from the ground. Um, you know, you've got to have somebody come out and line your dish up. And I mean, yes, you can do it yourself, but most people wouldn't or shouldn't especially if it's two-way satellite don't play with two-way satellite unless you know what you're doing because you can fry yourself oh. i know we used to do the two-way satellites for telstra and for uh foxtel uh, or ozstar back in the day um massive big warning labels all over the transmitter do not <laughs> the lnb transmitter do not stand within you know two and a half meters of any direction of this and do not touch this and don't put your hand here and don't stick your face there and <laughs> massive radiation warnings all over the thing so that was pretty cool <laughs> what a great job yeah it was fun <laughs> so, and we should yeah. try and point we should point out that um while everybody's worried about the COVID, the u.s government sneaking through their acts, the Lawful Access to Encrypted Data Act, which was mm -hmm. recently introduced to the US Congress, may be the worst in recent string of attacks on encryption. While the recently amended Earn It Act will leave strong encryption on unstable ground if passed into law, the Lawful Access to Encrypted Data Act, LAIDA, is a direct assault on tools millions rely for personal and national security every day. Later would facilitate the death of end-to-end -end encryption by forcing companies to provide technical assistance to access encrypted data upon request by law enforcement investigations. Problem is, the only way for companies to comply with this is to build backdoors into the products and services or not use encryption at all, making everyone more vulnerable to the same crime we're all trying to prevent. To be clear, we're talking about the same encryption used to keep activities like online banking, working from home, telehealth, and talking with friends secure online. The Internet Society raises concerns in an open letter to the co-sponsors of LAEDA in the Senate, which was signed by over 75 global security experts, civil society organizations, companies, and trade associations. According to signatories, the bill is too technically flawed to be effective and will force companies to make their own products less secure. To make matters worse, the proposed LADA is only the most recent attack on end-to-end -end encryption from a member of the Five Eyes Alliance, the United States, United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. United States supporters of backdoor access are following the footsteps of the United Kingdom's Investigatory Powers Act and Australia's Assistance in Access, or TOLA Act. Mm. Similar to these laws, which is clearly modelled on, LADA would require companies or their employees to comply with government demands for technical assistance 
in law enforcement investigations. These requirements would inevitably force companies to build encryption backdoors. We've said it before and it's worth repeating, there is no way to provide backdoor access to end-to-end -end encrypted data without weakening security for all users. Mm -hmm. Lawful access to Encrypted Data Act would not only make Americans more at risk to the crime it's trying to prevent, but everyone worldwide who relies on American products and services that use encryption to keep them secure online. Which is no one, but it's, it's funny, like, they don't realise that they're, all they're going to do is make their own data more accessible. Yep. Because <laughs> everyone else is going to be like, like well, cool. we'll use strong encryption stuff. Screw yeah. you, hippie. Yeah, I uh, will go to you know Sweden and New Zealand or something and be done with it. <laughs> like, and and that, that that brings up the other interesting question, the same as China does. How do they know you're using a VPN? The whole point of a VPN is that they don't know you're using a VPN. So if you're yeah. using a VPN, they're not going to know anyway. So <laughs> what's the point? <laughs> what's the point? <laughs> like, it's just they're so dumb. And this is the problem. Like everyone's. And this is the thing with the COVID. The amount of things that have been passed recently since people have been too busy preoccupied with this thing that pretends to be a virus that's not. Um, everyone's just so preoccupied that they're not taking any notice of what's happening around them. The world's exploding around them. And laws are being, well, I say laws, acts are being passed left, right and centre and nobody's none the wiser because they're too busy being scared of something that doesn't exist instead of actually being scared of the things that do exist like the government, which is causing all the problems in the first place. You know, like the what was the thing they passed the other day? Um, they're just giving police powers to uh, something. I can't remember what it was. Something about now they they want police to be able to um, copy and duplicate your phone on the spot so that they can use it for for COVID tracking. Apparently, because I'm sure that's exactly what they'll use it for. <laughs> you know, there's just so much garbage going on. Sounds totes legit. Uh, I don't have enough time to keep up with some other crap. It's just like, literally, they're passing a new bill like every, at 2 o'clock in the morning every night they're putting something else through. You know, and they're not even they're not even legit laws. They're only acts anyway, but they're just so... they, keep, they, they keep, If you keep everybody occupied with, with something, they haven't got to worry about something else. It's, yeah. You know, someone Look wants over to... over here, distraction. Yeah, yeah. Squirrel. Don't, don't worry about what they are telling you. Worry about what they're not telling you. I mean, that's basically what it comes down to. Speaking you of any more stories, just a quick one. Microsoft. Um, although I've never been to one and never really understood the point of them, they're closing almost all their stores. <laughs> Didn't they open them all right next to Apple and Samsung stores? They tried to, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't really understand the point of a Microsoft store, nor do I understand the point of an Apple store for that matter. But um, it's not like Microsoft has a huge product line themselves. I mean, yes, they have what the... Signature computers. ...tablet was, the Surface or whatever it was. They got that. <laughs> and maybe a mobile phone here or there. <laughs> An Android but, mobile phone now. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, Microsoft don't really have... I, I've never really... What are they... I mean... We can show you the have, Windows. Hey... We can show you the Windows and well, Teams. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Basically. Hey, you want Teams? Everyone that's wants Teams. Pretty much teams sure is free for everyone now. Please I could teams. understand if they did something decent with it, like doing, you know, education or, you know, training. classes like that, training classes, that sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I get it. 
but I don't understand the point. <laughs> like, it's not like they're selling stuff. Like, Apple stores, okay, kind of, because they're kind of a... They've got enough of a product range where they can have a store that's kind of interesting. We'll put it this way. Nobody's going to be lining up for a week to for the uh, Microsoft store to open. No. Well, not they're going to, anyway. <laughs> they're closing them all. But, yeah, <laughs> it's... I mean, like... You know, Apple had enough of a range where the product lineup and having a dedicated store with a repair center, which was the main reason they did it, um, okay, kind of, you know, not too bad. But Microsoft, what, they have a wall full of Office and a wall full of Windows and <laughs> then what? <laughs> Teams. Know? I told you. It's the future. <laughs> Teams. Yeah, I don't know. They... Um, Microsoft claims shutting their stores heralds a new approach to retail. None. That's a new approach. Yeah, let's close all our stores. That'll <laughs> no fix approach it. is a real. <laughs> um, Microsoft, yeah, Microsoft claims shutting their stores herald a new approach of retail because no one's ever thought about offering customer support online before. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't. I, I don't get. I really don't understand Good it. Good on you, Mickey. Stuff. Hmm. Religion. <laughs> We love your Linux stuff that you're doing. Just keep to that. Yeah, pretty much. Just be preoccupied with that for a while and you know, that solves that problem. So, I'm I waiting to, for the next um, Ubuntu Windows 10 coming out. Yeah. I suppose you should quickly mention the whole um, TikTok thing. I don't think anybody's surprised by it. But they've been stealing your data and doing nefarious things with it. They hacked you. Effectively. I mean, that's not quite entire story but that's 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 a shortened version like a chinese owned company has been doing chinese things with your data they steal it they keep <laughs> it if you've ever used tiktok instagram uh what foursquare whatsapp, WhatsApp uh yeah any of those secret telegram what's another one we me or whatever the heck it is i we 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 i don't know nintendo we you <laughs> There's there's a lot of them. They're all. I'm just looking at my phone now. I'm just seeing I've actually most of them installed. <laughs> <laughs> not on my phone. On on the work phone actually. This one's not too bad. Yeah, they can hack the work stuff. Yeah, yeah I don't care, but it's not my company. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just like any of those things, you know, they are effectively all data mining. That's that's what they're designed for. They got a fun thing behind them, but at the end of the day, if you're on Facebook or you're on Twitter or you're on YouTube or you're on Instagram or you're on MySpace. MySpace is that still? What's yeah, MySpace that? is still a thing. Technically, it still exists. Um, <laughs> WhatsApp or any of those. Friendster. They've got all your data. You know, don't worry about it. It's fine. GeoCities. You, and, unless you're some person of Somebody much higher power and authority than the average consumer, they're not going to worry about it. Unless you're Kanye. <laughs> Kanye <laughs> for prez. Only if you're running for president, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Head Show broadcast weekly. We can be found at facebook.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, twitter.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, and youtube.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Also now at patreon.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Sign up for $4 a month, $10 a month, or from several other tiers to support us. See the site for details. Email us Glenn, Will, and Warlock at aussietechheads.com.au. You can hear Aussie Tech Heads on aussietechradio.com 24-7 back-to-back play of some of the best tech-related shows from around Australia and New Zealand. New shows are added each Friday. See you next time. Bye.